Hello, everybody. This is your favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man comic book podcast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. And today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man comics from August of 1982. Uh, we're going to start off with The Amazing Spider-Man number 231, then move on to Marvel Team Up 120, and then finish things off with Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man number 69. Right, and let's start off this week by talking about this stunning cover on Amazing Spider-Man 231. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yes, we have an incredible shot of the Cobra with his legs wrapped around Spider-Man, backlit by the moon. I mean, what do you think of this cover, Josh? It's so great. Um, The the posing... The, the inks are fantastic. Again, like you mm-hmm. said, with the, the backlight, the, the, the moonlight is kind of like seeping around the characters and giving them this really awesome glow. Uh, you can tell that it's nighttime. Uh, the fact that they're kind of hanging off of the building and the way that the cobra is wrapped around Spider-Man, it really does look like this snake that's kind of like constricting him. Exactly, um, exactly. Even, even the way his... Uh, cape is and how he has his arms up it kind of looks like the head of a cobra when it when like the the, yeah, the thing like point. fans out that's like you know point. you know like uh, i don't even know what that's called but like yeah like when their head kind of fans out it opens up it has that heart shape like when they're getting ready to strike right right or whatever so yeah, yeah it, it's it's fantastic I, I really love this uh love this cover Right. Um, and, and this is during an era now where Spider-Man covers are getting better and better. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, around this era, 1980, what are we in, in 82 here? 82, yeah. Jeez, this is absolutely one of the best. So so then we get inside, and I don't know if I was just in a good mood or what, but I really like this issue. What mm-hmm. about you? Yeah, it was, was really pretty, cool. it was pretty fun. Um, I, I really like the, the Cobra. And I really like how he's written in The Amazing Spider-Man because it feels like it feels very Bronze Age. Like right. it has this like classic comic feel to it, usually the stories. And uh, the Cobra has that same feeling. And I think he fits really well into these stories, how they're right. written. So uh, I always love when villains have like a good reason for being there and like have unique kind of skill sets. and Right. Um, like they they're kind of true to their their namesake, right? right like he, right. Cobra does act like a cobra, and his moves kind of dictate that. And Spider Man has to deal with that, um, with like very specific in very specific ways, and kind of has to problem solve around the cobra's powers. So I I really enjoyed this one. I I was definitely happy to see him uh, pop up in Amazing again. Right, and like okay, so yeah, let's just talk about this story. I mean, classic mm-hmm. splash page. We have these two security guards, or, or yeah, I think they're security yeah. guards, coming through this doorway to like, um, it's kind of like a. Uh, it says no admittance properties, and we right. see it, it's a, it's the the police evidence locker. Right, right, right. Okay, and we see what almost looks like Spider Man um, perched upside down above the doorway, but it's the Cobra. We're gonna find out in a minute. But what mm-hmm. a great way to just jump into the story you know i love it so we see them looking around in this uh storage room or like you said it's the evidence room at the police headquarters and they don't see anything so then cobra jumps down of course he takes the time to turn on the light and then he's, he <laughs> digs through and of course you know it's just funny how i don't know when i think about a police evidence room i don't think about jewels i think more about drugs and guns and stuff. right but right whatever it's a kid's comic so he opens up this drawer and mm-hmm. takes it it scoops out a big handful of jewelry and just dumps it into like this sack right right 
And then he, because he's Cobra, he could probably squeeze his body. <laughs> he goes into like this little storm drain. I actually it's so wish- small too. Like yeah, it, it's I, really kind of cool. Yeah, like in the first panel, they show how small it is. In the second panel, his legs are already through. But I'm wondering, I think the idea is that he's kind of contorting his body a little bit, right? right. So I wish they would have shown him maybe you know, fitting his body or being double jointed or something mm-hmm. like almost like the X-Files would have shown like him bending right. into the pipes because then it's cool because then they, sh- they cut to a wide shot of like Manhattan with like Central Park. And then they, in- they imply that he's crawling his way through the sewers and piping all the way back to his apartment. I think that's, that's mm-hmm. such a cool idea. Eh? Yeah. I, I think that's really smart. And, and again, kind of adding to this character skill set and right. um, allowing him to, do things that only he would be able to do or at least in a way that he would only be able to do it right right and it's funny now this is what's funny is so then we we, you know we cut to his like thought bubbles he's like thinking about the last time the last mission he had or whatever and he's talking about how he was in partnership with mr hyde and i actually Mm -hmm. gotta say i i think it was a mistake to do this and i'll tell you why as we get to it, but I'll tell you why I think it's a mistake because we flash back. It says, see Captain America 252, whatever, right? But then the story goes forward and we'll get back to that in a minute. But then we touch base with Peter Parker and it's kind of cool because we get a classic Spider-Man moment where he he's oh. actually had to like recreate or re-sew his costume, right? Right, and, and he it, constantly, it, he's been having to do that a lot lately. So they, right. they definitely, uh, they comment on that too. And uh, it's a really good excuse to kind of, bring back this classic costume that they've it seems like have wanted to kind of bring back right because he actually says uh where is it here he says something about the material he's like oh well he's like i needed a couple new outfits for a long time the way my old spider suit's been getting shredded lately i was becoming the amazing amazing patches man so then he actually says of course I'd have saved myself a lot of work if I just silkscreened the design on the new bodysuits and let it go at that. Because, you know, even though these are draw- comic books, we don't really know how they wearing spandex. I have no idea right. how they make these costumes. But then he's like, when I found a new supply of flex nylon netting, I just couldn't resist putting the underarm webs back on my outfit. So for those that don't know, back in the early 60s, Steve Ditko used to draw Spider-Man with underarm webbing, almost like wings, right? Right. And yeah, it's, it's it's almost like missing. a like a right. Sorry, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say like it, it's it's like small. It's it kind of goes from like the elbow to his waist, right? Um, and it like I, I don't know. I, like as a kid, I always thought that like it kind of helped him glide. Sure, a little well, bit more like up, as he's swinging yeah. through the city. They ended up using it in the mo- in the latest. Uh, I think it was Homecoming, Spider-Man. Oh Homecoming, yeah, they right? do. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. But I just didn't realize it had been missing. They're implying it's been missing for a while, probably since Steve Ditko stopped drawing Spider-Man. So it's kind of right. cool that Rogerster not only brings it back, but he takes the time to explain Peter's thought process of you know mm-hmm. why he brought it back. I think that's really cool. There's a nice three-panel sequence of him you know like looking in the mirror and kind of flexing and i don't know it's just a really cool sequence i like it right and like even like stretching it out and kind of testing how it looks uh there's this really cool moment where he's looking at it and he he takes note of the fact that when he has his arm straight out and you're looking at the webbing straight on you can't Uh even tell that it's there it's like a line it's so thick like paper thin right right 
And then yeah, when very... he like puts his arm the opposite way, it's like a f- the full wing. I just I think it's so cool, and it really uh, definitely gives you like a moment to kind of uh, see how he works and what he's thinking and what his thought process is uh, right. for his suit. And you know we should have been keeping track, but if you go back, this really reminds me of Roger Stern's issue of Spectacular when they brought back the Ringer and the way the Ringer was explaining his powers. Mm. I really like, and then I I think Roger Stern might've even done that. I remember one of the first issues of Avengers I had where like the Wasp or somebody was explaining their powers like in in their thought bubbles. I just think that's really cool. You know, when you're reading a comic, like, I mean, it's it's unrealistic that they would explain it to themselves, but I still enjoy those sequences, you know? Right, and I think the the thing that I like about it so much is the fact that like, if if somebody's like actually describing this, you're not. It's not a real thing, right? right? Like it's it's not realistic at all. But right. when you're reading the comic, the character believes it, and there's a reason for it happening. So you don't really like think Question. too much about it, and it, and it makes sense, right? Like right. It, it makes it that much more believable that the character knows what they're doing. And there right. is like some sort of logic behind it, whether it's whether it's something that would actually happen in real life or not. It's completely believable in this story. And totally, you don't think totally. twice about it. Right. Yeah. You don't question it. Exactly. OK, yeah. so now so Spider-Man starts leaping through the air and now we cut to a cutaway to a new scene. And this is why I um, thought that the, pre- the earlier scene showing Mr. Hyde was a mistake, because here we cut over to the site of the end of the previous issue story where the juggernaut was buried under all that cement okay mm-hmm. so when we see this uh, we, we see it, it says here but now the restraining fences are again splintered by a massive figure now i'm reading this i'm thinking oh well this is the juggernaut but then i look and i go well it's right. not really the juggernaut and so they keep the identity of this person a mystery which we'll talk about later but well let's spoil it it's mr hyde but if right, but to me it's like, well, why did they have to have that flashback two pages earlier? They could have just cut yeah. it out. Like, you don't need to have that, right? You know, I I think it's the fact that they did a, a full on flashback rather than just do like a small callback, right? Sure. If they had just like meant like just almost name dropped him and they didn't like physically show panels of a flashback of what happened. Right. You know what I mean? Like if, if just in passing, he was like, oh, man, I don't want to do that since the last time Mr. Hyde kind of screwed me over. So I'm just going to kind of do things on my own now. Sure. You know, like I, I don't think it would have been as obvious. And I think that like just planting that seed early on would help with the payoff later sure, with that yeah. like switch. But yeah, when because they blatantly show you the flashback and there's like a, a full on like picture of Mr. Hyde in one of the panels i i'll right. kind of bring it up now yeah page it's like two page before three pages beforehand on right. digital page five um we see uh cobra pouring himself a drink and as he's thinking about mr hyde and what happened there's like a picture above his head right, of right. mr hyde like this silhouette yeah, yeah. i mean so, again it's a convention of the time but it would have been proved it to just leave it out for sure yeah but yeah anyway we can forgive it okay so 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 we cut away and now we're back with um jay jonah jameson speaking to his wife right marla yeah i believe Um, that's his wife they don't say it's his wife maybe it's not his wife yet maybe this is just his girlfriend or just a girl i don't know but i seem to remember him marrying marla maybe i'm wrong about that i don't know people can comment if they want so anyway so um 
So he's talking to uh, Marla and Lance Bannon, or Bannon. They're going to meet up with somebody uh, yes, to get some right. information about okay. uh, about the Cobra, I believe. Um, right. And they're going to go meet up with his informant, and uh, it's Ned Leeds and... Um, Marla. Marla, right. Uh, and JJ is kind of... Uh, a little hesitant to allow her to go, but then Ned says, "No, I've I've got this. Like it's completely safe." Um, right. So they they end up being convinced to go, but uh, Betty Brant, who is um, Ned Leeds' husband, sorry, y- wife. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. We we know from uh, previous issues that they're kind of having some marital trouble, so we kind of uh, jump into that a little bit, and they quickly discuss like they're they're going through counseling and trying to be more open and trusting towards each other so when uh ned tells betty this she kind of uh, trusts him and allows him to go even though that it's a bad neighborhood and she's kind of scared um as they're leaving he uh drops a notebook and betty can't catch him in time and when she right. opens up the notebook or the, the planner or whatever it is, uh, she sees where they're meeting and she gets a little nervous. So she calls um, our, our <laughs> one of our favorite characters, Deb Whitman, right. uh, to, to notify Peter Parker. Right. Um, and that's where uh, we, uh, we catch up with Deb a little bit. And uh, she lets Peter Parker know uh, while he's uh, working on a science experiment for mm-hmm. class. And uh, he uh, dons the Spider-Man costume and uh, kind of intercepts uh, Betty. Or sorry, um, I already forget her name. Mar- Marla. Uh, Marla. Marla and uh, Ned. Right. And so now we get a cool scene of them going to this. Again, this is sort of um, the grittiness of Roger Stern's Spider-Man, which I really like. Like, yeah. I would rather see this you know, informants and, and like, uh, you know, dive bars. I'd rather see this than just generic, you know, Dr. Octopus robbing a bank or whatever. Yeah. This grounds it a little bit more in reality. It makes it kind of cooler, you know? Just the yeah, idea it make, that... It, it, it oh, makes sorry, it feel more like a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Like, it, it right. feels gr- grounded with the characters and the city itself. Right, right. Where and also... I, I, if it's Doctor, sorry, I keep interrupting you, uh, but like no, when okay. it when it is Doctor Octopus and it is this like huge thing, it feels kind of more grand than that. Like right. it feels sometimes world ending, and it, um, right, even if right. it's like Doc Ock, you know, stealing money from a bank, it's usually to make this super weapon to, you know, Destroy do something. Spider Man, yeah, right. Where this, yeah, it definitely feels like. Um, Spider-Man sometimes is kind of like a detective and he is kind of doing this like uh, doing his job to kind of clean up the city and stop crime. Right. And also it just reminds me of like to me, I I like the idea that like these characters, like whoever it may be, Killer Shrike or the Cobra or Cobra are just sort of like standing in for if you were to be watching a cop show or reading a cop right. novel, they just happen to be the bad guys. Like they, they would do the same thing that a criminal would do in the real world. They wouldn't just go wreak havoc to get Spider-Man's attention, which I always thought was idiotic. I like the fact mm-hmm. that they're working the same way real criminals do. I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's great. 
Yeah. So anyway, so they go see this informant, Nose Norton, who I remember <laughs> as a kid because he has such a funny name. So then they go outside, and all of a sudden, uh, this informant, Nose, uh, Nose Norton, uh, is now kind of like backing away from wanting to help them out. So they're getting. So Ned Leeds is getting kind of irritated. Then we see the silhouette of this character walking, who were kind of. Is be, it's being implied that it might be the juggernaut, but we know it's not because we spoiled it already. So then Spider-Man swings in just as Ned Leeds is starting to kind of rough up ne- uh, Nose Norton, and no- Nose Norton's getting pissed off. And then out of the blue, Cobra jumps down onto Nose Norton, right? Because mm-hmm. Nose Norton's going to give information on him, right? Or right. onto his operation or whatever. Right. So Spidey comes in, and then him and Cobra start fighting, and of um these gas capsules being shot at ned and marla and then spider-man it's almost like slow motion he's like running in to catch them and then whip them out of the way it's a really cool three panel sequence eh yeah it's really great i i I love the poses too um you have spider-man diving in and he's kind of like halfway into the panel and then the next one he's got this like a really great like end pose of this uh, huge sw- right. like arm swing as he's throwing these capsules up into the uh, up into the sky, trying to throw them up onto the roof. It's really good. Yeah, I love it. And then of course the gas explodes up on the roof, and then we see this cool shot of Cobra crawling on the wall above them, and we see like the trail behind him. Just to, it's just it's almost like Dracula crawling upside down on the side of the mm-hmm. wall. You know, it's a really cool shot. And then. Um, you know, just uh, he, uh, Spider-Man's got his web out and they're kind of, you know, shouting at each other. And then again, he's shooting these gas pellets, which end up hitting uh, Ned Leeds. It's kind of funny because then Ned, Spider-Man just jumps to the conclusions. I failed Betty again. Poor Ned's dead because I, huh, you're alive? And it's just funny because, you know, like as if this character would die so easily. But whatever. I'll right. Go along with it. <laughs> So then Cobra drags, um, or no, he follows Nose into the bar and attacks him while he's at the bar. And then Spider-Man, now he jumps in and is following him. So now that's, they're fighting back and forth. And there's some really cool, um, really long panels on um, digital, what is this, digital 20? Didn't I, yeah. And 19, right. Yeah. 19 to 20 where like Cobra's way up in the air and Spider-Man's down. And then we cut to a long shot of Spidey punching Cobra into the air. Meanwhile, the mysterious figure is coming from, you know, like an alley to confront them as they're fighting. And then the next panel, Spidey basically, the next page, Spidey basically beats Cobra. And then he thinks all is one. But, uh-oh, what happens? Someone throws the corner of a building at him. and he's, yeah, What a great panel. I know, it's so cool, eh? Yeah. So then he jumps out of the way. He's actually protecting Cobra from getting killed as well. And then we get the last page reveal that, guess what? It wasn't Juggernaut all along. It was Mr. Hyde that was on his way to uh, confront them. So that's our big ending. It's a really cool shot of all three Mm -hmm. of them standing there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great, like, final splash page there. Right. Um, yeah, I, I thought, and, and you can also see like the the building in the background that's missing the corner, right? That right. was just thrown at Spider Man. Yeah, it's it's really great. Um, I I love this last page, but I, I for some reason I really love that top panel of pay, uh, Digital Twenty Two, uh, where Spider Man is like in oh, the, the building. In, yeah, like mid jump, his right. spider senses is, is going off, and he's like doing almost like a matrix bend sure. back as he's like 
uh, dodging this literal building that's being thrown at him as he's got Cobra in his hand and it, it, such like great dynamic poses. Um, right. Like his his legs are all in silhouette because this building is about to cr- like crush him. Yes. And it, it's got this like really awesome foreshortening. And right. Yeah, it's it's really good. I, I really love that. I I think and like I don't think that there it's not because there's a lot of detail because there's really not. There's no, no background or anything. It's it's the background is completely white. You just have the two characters in the building, but that's what's important, right? And it's I right. think the 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 action lines of the building flying towards them and then um the pose that uh, was chosen for the two characters really, you can really tell that they were in mid swing and then right. Spider-Man kind of had to like course correct and stop himself in midair as he's trying to save right. Cobra. And right. yeah, I, I really do uh, love that because you can tell everything just from, from that one panel, what's going on. Right. And like you said, there's not a lot of detail, but it's the impression it makes on you. It's such yes. a cool idea, the building, like the corner of a building. Like it just shows how powerful Mr. Hyde is, you know? Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know, Mr. Hyde did appear in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Did you know Oh, this? really? No, I yes. didn't. Yes. And guess who he was played by? None other than <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin from uh, Twin Peaks. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. But I think it was one of those things where they didn't call him Mr. Hyde until the very last episode. With um, him, so yeah. Kinda, you know how they do that, right? They yeah. I hate when they cop out when, on yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so overall, uh, again, this is to me is a classic issue of Spider-Man. I definitely recommend yeah. it and I'd read it again. What do you think? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it. And uh, man, this, this cover alone is so good. Yep. So, yeah, definitely a high recommend for this one. Yeah, like, honestly, this cover is one of the best covers I think we've seen so far Mm -hmm. from Spider-Man. Absolutely. All right, that brings us to uh, a Marvel team-up, number 120. This is a comic I had as a kid, and I got to admit, I don't remember anything about it. But once again, (laughs) possibly because Carrie Gamble is drawing it, I actually really enjoyed this issue. What did you think? Yeah, it it wasn't too bad. And I think, again, <laughs> like the, the previous uh, issue, <laughs> uh, it's a like a self-contained story and doesn't try right. to be too big. I mean, even the characters and the story that's being told is very, like, character-driven. And there's right. not a lot of, like, big action sequences that happen. And it's really just taking it slow with some 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 new characters and interesting characters that normally probably wouldn't have a, a big focus um, right right again we see peter parker with aunt may and nathan at the uh sure. restwell nursing home yes uh and we see uh this old man named mr fortunoff uh kind of standing by himself and aunt may tries to go and console him and tell him to come over and enjoy the party you know we're all right. like having fun and celebrating and then he kind of sniffs back and it's a little bit nasty and the nurses take him back to his room and he's kind of uh <laughs> venting a little bit about uh uh the golden days and how he used right. to be a, a ser- uh, uh a superhero or like an agent i guess um named dominic fortune right um and that's the thing is like okay, I don't know much about Dominic Fortune. I'll just say I, I believe he was right. created by Howard Chaikin. 
and kind of a throwback to Pulp Heroes, but that is all I know about him. So I'm assuming J.M. Demetrius is just a fan and just decided to use this issue to tell a new story with him, but that's all I know about him. Right. Um, you know what? I, I think that this is a really good platform and, and good way to do a Marvel team-up sure. um, and a good way to reintroduce this character and kind of pay homage to them uh, sure. because it really felt like Spider-Man belonged in the story. Yeah. And it was like, like if, if I didn't know any better, I wouldn't have known this was a Marvel team up. Okay. Yeah. Because, because yeah. I didn't, I didn't know the character beforehand and sure. it wasn't like Spider-Man being thrown into somebody else's comic. It just felt like a good Spider-Man story. Right. 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 Like, like m- almost every single Spider-Man story, the, the villain or the bad guy has some sort of ties to Peter Parker. Sure. Um, even in the last one, Cobra um, is this supervillain and uh, Ned Leeds knows somebody who has information on Cobra. So even from there, it kind of traces back to Peter Parker, not Spider-Man, right? Peter sure, Parker is the yeah. one that learned about this tip from Deborah, who learned about it from Marla, from uh, Betty, from, you know, it kind of like goes down the line. So even that, like it's cobra himself doesn't necessarily have like any ties to peter parker but um through that chain like he's definitely connected and it feels right that he would go in and save the day um yeah uh we don't really get that with marvel team up though like usually Mm -hmm. it's just spider-man gets thrown in with wolverine and he goes into a forest into a castle right right you know and then they're fighting robots i guess you know like it doesn't yeah, doesn't always make sense uh yeah. but this one it really feels like he should be there peter parker is the one that's thrown into the story first and then from there spider-man has to or he has to don the the spider-man persona and go out and save the day right right um so uh, yeah i think that that alone makes this uh, a much better story than what we're right. used to with marvel team up so yeah, so getting back to the plot. So we're introduced to this funky, I guess he's a villain, called Turner yeah. Century. So yeah, let's go from Dude, there. Lord. So what happens next? So okay, when when I was reading this, I was like, yeah. wow, this is really interesting. I, like I'm I'm super, you know, invested in this story and then I read Turner Decentury and I just had to like stop for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. so yeah, we see uh uh, Mr. Fortunoff, or yeah, Fortunoff. Yeah. Um, he's kind of reminiscing about uh, being Dominic Fortune. And uh, he looks outside and he sees Turner Decentury riding on a tandem bicycle. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Which is flying. It's like yeah. flying through the skies. He's pedaling. And he has this like weird, like, woman mannequin doll thing like riding side saddle on the bike uh and he's got this like curly mustache and an umbrella and he's dressed in this Mm -hmm. green striped suit um and he's got this like not a bowler hat what what would you call it it's like a i I don't even know what you'd call that but yeah uh i don't know i don't know yeah it's he's got this like fancy like 30s hat on right um and uh, Dominic recognizes him as a supervillain. So he uh, puts on the costume once again and takes on the mantle of Dominic Fortune. Right. Uh, we got this really cool uh, 
a cool couple of panels on digital six where uh you can see him kind of look behind him to the trunk and you see turner d century <laughs> riding off yes, into the sky awesome. with the bike and then uh yeah, he's digging through his trunk and uh there's a really uh few couple of uh, uh lines here that are great like a snake in reverse Davy Fortunoff sheds his, <laughs> his sheds new skin for old, and Dominic Fortune lives again. I so really, it. I I, thought, I think it's a pretty fun panel. We see him back in the costume, and he's putting on his glove. And uh, uh, the next panel, we see him like halfway out the window, and uh, <laughs> realizes that he might not make the jump. So he, I love it. On second thought, I'll take the stairs. And well, but also I love door. the fact that the first panel, he's like thinking to himself second panel is silent from the point of yeah. view of the of the ground looking up and then it so cuts good running on second thought i'll take the stairs i love that sequence it's great right it, it kind of reminds me of the uh the scene in into the spider verse where okay, miles is on remember. the roof miles on okay. the miles is on the roof when he's first testing out his uh powers and he's gonna jump okay. And he's like okay. kind of monologuing to himself like, you could do this, you could do this. And he s- takes a few steps back and then he looks over the edge and then it just cuts to the stairwell and he's walking down the stairs. And oh, then it, you... it okay. cuts to the next building and it's a little bit shorter and he jumps okay, off okay. of that one. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it, I think it's so great. It's like that giving a little bit of a silent beat before the, the punchline yes. really helps. So uh, you, f- you feel that it, like nothing is said and... I mean, it, it's a, there's no audio, obviously, in this comic, but because it's a one silent panel of him just looking down, it's this, like, drastic camera angle, too. Right, Of, right. like, this, uh, uh, like, shot looking up the building, and right. uh, Dominic is, he's kind of small in frame in the window, and then it cuts it's to the, him running out the door. It's, yeah, so good. And also, if you took out the bu- the bubbles, you could still understand exactly what's going on, right? It's great storytelling. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I got to say, again, I grew up reading Cary Gamble or his art in Superman, and I never appreciated him until now about how good an artist he is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really liking this. It's, and again, I love Herb Trimpey, but coming off that Herb Trimpey run, we, we've enjoyed these last two issues much more, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, for like, sure. There's no comparison. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, we can get back to the plot now. Um. So, uh, as he rushes out the building, Peter Parker... Uh, kind of disappears uh and we learn that he's uh, put on the costume and he's going out chasing dominic um we see him uh catch up with turner (laughs) decentry and uh they have a conversation and turner decentry get like spills his entire motive to uh dominic Yes. And it's what a little he... ridiculous. He right. he's created this horn that will uh, yeah. target people that are below the age of 60 and yes, essentially ridiculous. kill them. Like he he's planning right. to kill everybody who's under 60. Mm-hmm. So that way <laughs> that way everything can go back to what the what it was like in the in the 30s before right. World War 2. Right. And it's completely bonkers and yeah it's a ridiculous, like, ridiculous. Plot. yeah but i like it's also not important to the story because right. it, it we're really like focusing on uh mm-hmm. dominic fortune and his story and like what's going on with 
uh, with him. And you know what? Right. Now that I'm thinking about it, this is pretty similar to last issue. Because we have Gargoyle talking to uh, the old woman who's ready yes. to kind of die and pass on. And then we also right. have Nathan, who's Aunt May's uh, husband. Uh-huh. I believe they're married at this point, right? Or maybe the fiance. I can't remember. Uh, I think, yeah, engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's kind of upset because, he, you know, he wants to relive his glory days and it's it's kind of this like bringing back the old timers and uh just because you're old your your age is age is just a number and it, you kind of act how you want to act and be who you want to be it doesn't really matter how old you are right and it, this kind of has the same tone and feel to it right like we we see yeah. dominic fortune kind of coming out of retirement literally like coming out of a retirement home and donning the costume once again and saving the day Right. I never really noticed that until talking about it right now. It makes me wonder if something was going on in J.M. Demetrius's personal life at this time. Someone was dying or sick or something. It it must have just been on his mind. Or maybe something was happening at Marvel Comics when they were like, maybe somebody was trying to be pushed out. Could have been. Could have been. Right? Like maybe... maybe, yeah, maybe uh, one of the older writers or artists was like they were trying to be somebody was trying to push them out to bring in somebody else or something was going on. So they started writing these stories to yeah. kind of protest that. It could have been. I don't know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. that's and at the something very least, to look into. It, I mean, it's definitely unusual to, to write a story that's so centered on elderly people because most right. superhero comics focus on young people. But at least it's something different, you know. Right. And I think it's because the audience is normally very young right so so it doesn't seem like it would be an easy sell for for a story like this Um, right exactly and obviously like you and me looking at this like we would want to see stories like this but i feel like as a company it would be a harder sell right because because they would probably be worried about numbers and how the the you know issues would sell and if they would resonate with the audience but i'm glad that they took these risks because i think they definitely uh paid off in the long run 100 percent. whether whether these issues were successful or not financially or um critically i I think that um they definitely hold uh stand the test of time better than a lot of the other marvel team ups that's the key exactly we're enjoying mm -hmm. them again like we said it feels like classic spidey right right Right, so, uh, so anyway, yeah. So then, what happens after this? So Spidey um, and uh, what's his name are fighting. Right. So yeah, Spidey. Spidey kind of follows them because uh, he 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 uses his like ray against for uh, uh, fortune, Dominic Fortune. F- yeah, Dominic Fortune, and uh, he <laughs> realizes like, oh, I'm sorry. What what was I thinking? I'm not supposed to use this on people that are are older than 60 so then he like takes him to his lab and starts monologuing about what his plans are and shows him like all of his equipment uh spider-man sees them riding off on the tandem bike and follows them to the uh to the lab and just as uh dominic fortune is kind of uh standing up to turner uh spider-man also crashes through the window We, we see 
<laughs> Mister, the only thing worse than an old fool is a young nut. And you are a wacko. And then Spider-Man <laughs> crashes through the window and says, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he's automatically hit with this ray and Peter Parker falls mm-hmm. to the ground unconscious. And uh, it turns into uh, a fight against uh, Dominic Fortune and uh, Eternity Century. And I think, um, yeah, by the end of the day, that's what the fight is. Spider-Man doesn't. Re- like uh, Spider-Man does help a little bit, but it's it's um thanks to it, Dominic Fortune that that they you know he's able to 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 be stopped, and then Spider-Man right. ends up swinging at the last minute to kind of tie him up. Right. It's mostly just yeah, Dominic ch- chasing him through the city and finally subduing mm-hmm. him, and then he uh, he oh, oh yeah he he has he might have a heart attack or something, and so then. Don, uh, what's his name? Turn, <laughs> right. What's that? Yeah. He's like his heart. Oh, he's like his heart must have just given out. So he thinks he's dead. And then Spidey shows up and then subdues him by uh, knocking him into his web, right? But, right. Or no, they're still fighting. But then then he realizes, no, Dominic Fortune's not dead. He's just, he's fine. But yeah, so yeah, right. he, he subdues him in his web. But yeah, so it's just kind of funny. Once again, alive, just like Ned Leeds, right? Thought he was dead. He's alive. <laughs> yeah, it it's kind of cheap, I think. Like, I don't know. Right. I, I I don't think it was uh, <laughs> a great bit or a great, like, twist moment. It was just no. kind of ridiculous and weird for this moment to even happen, but... I guess we have to have Spider-Man come in at the end of the day and save the day, right? But Yeah. And and the thing is is like this is not a great issue, but I think the big difference between this and the like we were saying the previous run with Herb Trimpey is that I actually enjoy reading the issue. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I felt like when I opened up a page that was drawn by Herb Trimpey, again whom I love, it, it just felt off-putting. Like, it's almost like not only is the art different, but J.M. Dimitis has changed his writing style. It's not as wordy. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not as verbose. Like You do want to read it, and it's not... I don't know. I'm not sure what the difference is. Maybe maybe it's the fact that um, the the art and the layout and the panels are just more clear. That could be it, yeah. You know, like, like the... It, it, you you're able to get and understand what's happening just through the art and the panels alone where right. maybe before he felt like he had to kind of explain things more because it wasn't properly laid out and the art didn't tell the story yeah that could be it i think you're right because yeah there there were definitely like certain panels too uh in in previous issues that you're just like what the heck is going on here like they didn't make right. sense the layout was weird the characters proportions were off and i know like sometimes just didn't is, make sense yeah I, I i like i said i do like herb trimpy but something yeah about me too him was not fitting and it's just much better now yeah so that brings us to Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man number 69. And once again, we get a little bit of experimentation with this cover where, yeah, because we had the Electro one a few months ago or a few weeks ago. And now we've got, it's weird because it's almost like the comic book cover itself has been, what's this called? Skewed? Right. Like, like it's so, rotated, I guess. Like, yeah, it's, so, yeah. yeah, it's almost like there's a comic book cover, but the, but the camera of the page has kind of 
moved back so that it's like the 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 price box and with a picture of Spider-Man is cut off on the left. The top of the comic book is kind of like coming down and Marvel Comics group is kind of cut off on the top. And the entire page or is kind of skewed and Spider-Man right. is like on top of it. So it's kind of cool, eh? And the yeah, cloak it, and dagger it, are below him. It looks almost 3D. Yeah. Where like yeah. you can you can tell that like this tableau uh, right. The characters are all there, and, and the building is there, and like even even the 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 logo and the the title and the like the actual yeah. background of the cover is also like part of this tableau, and you're just standing off to the side looking at it from a different angle. Right. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, right. I, I don't know how in depth and like thought out that idea was, but maybe it's because you're trying to look at things from a different angle and, and a different point of view with cloak and dagger in this story kind yeah, of could be seeing like two different sides of the story because cloak and dagger in this issue, like they're, they're not really heroes. No, they're, they're weird. Like they're, they're well, kind they're, of antagonists to Spider-Man in this one. Right, like it's right. they're, they're, they're vi- like vigilantes where, because we're following Spider-Man, who is like a true hero, uh, right. A vigilante is kind of seen as a villain from his point of view and, and right. how he deals with things. And we definitely get some conflict with uh, between them. And we kind of bounce back and forth between what Spider-Man thinks is right, which is, you know, probably the actual right thing. And then what Cloak and Dagger believe to be the right thing and uh, taking justice into their own hands. So, right, right. Uh, yeah, it's definitely like, I, again, I don't know how like in depth they thought about it but it's it's definitely kind of cool to get the idea that like maybe the theme like looking at something from a different perspective is is kind of put into the cover but absolutely could be that yeah you're right um Hmm. in the interior art is again excellent so we've this is by bill mantlo the art inside is by ed hannigan and now milgram and we've got a great opening splash page that once again kind of recalls um will eisner's spirit stories where Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, is kind of written into the, the clouds in the sky. And then we see this almost abstract shot of some skyscrapers in the background. And then in front of them is this older style building, this kind of right. rundown uh, house, well, like apartment building. And then there's like a like a abandoned car in front of it. And Cloak and Dagger are in the foreground pointing at the building. And he's like, oh, it's an abandoned school there, an abandoned school. It's right. just kind of cool. That, like, And then you see like the... The, the newspaper pieces of newspaper are blowing in the wind and it says the credits on the paper and you know in darkness seldom seen you know it's just really cool I, yeah I really love the attention to detail I love when they do this in comics where uh, the titles are like digestive where they feel like they're part of the actual panels rather than ah, yes. like bubbles just uh, like above and in narrating right. what's going on, it, it feels like it's part of it, and yeah, it's so clever. I love the the uh, the colors as well in this, like the the right. pink sky. Uh, Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider Man, is written in the clouds above the city. Yep, it's it's really great. Colorist Glennis Wine or Ween, which we never really talk about the colorist, but in this case, we should definitely mention them. Yes, for sure, for sure. So yeah, so when, so we open up with a scene. Now this is a little bit unrealistic, in my opinion, my limited you know yeah. knowledge. But we've got a bunch of uh, black drug dealers 
beating up another drug dealer because he didn't want to sell to children and they're like what did we tell you but it's written in very a strain a strained attempt at mimicking <sighs> black slang at that time in 1982 and i don't think yeah. it's terribly realistic no it's um, it also it, it, i was really uncomfortable reading it like at times because it just felt very stereotypical both for the culture and for like i don't like it felt like a like a, a caricature of what something right. like that would be where everything else everything else in the story feels very realistic and it just felt kind of out of place having these characters like i don't know be cartoons of of what they probably should have been um now to be fair it's not like these are the only black characters in the comic because at least Cloak is also black so he balances it out but the portrayal of these characters is definitely not good definitely not great right um, so we get, um, so we get, so then now Cloak comes in and she's sitting in these like uh, theater seats in this old abandoned building and they all see her and they're all mesmerized by her beauty. And um, so she shoots these light, da- it's kind of cool yeah. how they, their powers work together because she shoots her light daggers at them to kind of, um, you know, like uh, startle them or whatever. And then right. Cloak absorbs them into his cloak, right? And it's just kind of cool. How other powers kind of work in unison. Right. Nice. I really I mean, love this conven- intro for her too. I was going to say how convenient that this random act of nature that gave them these superpowers just happened to work so well together thematically. But anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So anyway, yeah. So yeah. So then, so then these guys are all, um, you know, they're trying to get away, but like cloak is absorbing them into his, what is it called? His shroud, I guess. Right. Yeah, whatever. His cape that he has, it's yeah. kind of like this um like black hole void. Right. Like it right, goes right. into nothingness and it, yeah, it's kind of unclear I guess how the power works at this point, but it seems like his abilities um the uh is being able to manipulate like black holes and kind of almost jump into like other dimensions or like pocket right. dimensions where it's completely right. nothingness. Um, right. We see, we saw Spider-Man get trapped in there for a little bit last time we saw them with, um, uh, that was Peter Parker, spectacular Spider-Man number 64, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, it's definitely a really cool power. And, and the two of Very. them, uh, play off each other extremely well. Right. And so they're trying to get I, information. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm, I love on digital page six, uh, the uh, some of the paneling at the bottom too. Right. Uh, after he's been kind of thrown out of the, the cape, the shroud, the, right. like the panel is kind of shattered as they're intimidating these goons. Right, right. It's right. really great. Really well broken up and uh, mm-hmm. add some character to the to the story and the panels absolutely yeah you're right i didn't even notice that mm-hmm. oh yeah because it's like it's like the the framing of the window is the panels it's right cool. mm-hmm. yeah very cool yeah so they're trying to get information out of these guys you know the drugs you've been dealing with the children where do they come from who supplies them and then the, the one guy's like silver mane and for those that don't know silver mane is one of the magia or the magia right the right. marvel version of the mafia so he's one of the bosses so that's kind of cool so then meanwhile, um, Spider-Man is swinging over 
Queens and he's go- actually going to his old house that he used to live in, you know, when he was like a teenager, mm-hmm. when Aunt May and Uncle Ben were still alive. And he's crawling through and he's looking at stuff and he's flashing back to uh, his memory of what happened. And then just as he's doing that outside, a cop goes by. And then um, Nathan, Lib- sorry, Nathan Lubinsky just happens to be going by at the same time. And then uh, I don't remember what happens after this. So then, oh, so then the, all these cop cars are going by. So then Spider-Man decides to follow them. Mm-hmm. And he ends up, conf- uh, sorry, go ahead. And yeah, when he uh, he runs into Cloak and Dagger and the art on digital 10 and 11 is, and, and 12 and 13 are just fantastic. That first panel of Spider-Man on this like, what looks like a smokestack or like a water yeah. tower type thing. And the, it's it's pouring out, and right. he's kind of cast in shadow a little bit. It's so good. And yep. then uh, there's like this panel inside of a panel, and you can kind of see what Spider-Man is looking at. Right. Um, it's outlined in red, I think, right. both to break up the two panels, but then the red makes me think, okay, this is Spider-Man's uh, POV. Yeah, so good it's, point. Yep. It's, it's really kind of cool to see exactly what he's seeing. Right. And uh, yeah, he jumps down and starts talking to him and confronts them. And they kind of they, they start fighting uh, because Spider-Man is trying to stop them from going and killing somebody. Right. Um, well, it's, fu- and it's funny because Spider-Man actually, um, as he's fighting, he's like, as he's about like first, he like he like gets kicked in the face by uh, Dagger and then he like tosses her on her back. And then as he's leaping in the air, he's like, she's so young, so innocent. I want to shelter her, not slug her. You know, it's just kind of funny. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's true, but it's like they are fist fighting. It is a superhero comic. Then all of a sudden he's immersed in darkness. So obviously he's been wrapped in um, Cloak's cloak, right? Right. So he's trapped in there. And they're talking about how he has this power. Where is it? He, he's like, I cannot envelop one of his powers for long. Or one, oh, I miss, I misunderstood that. He says, one I cannot envelop one right. of his power. Like, he's so strong. Okay. I thought it was a specific power. I was like, what specific power right. do you mean? But anyway, so yeah, he eventually gets out. And of course, the classic, so cold, right? Anyone that goes into his cloak <laughs> is cold. I don't know if it means actual temperature cold or just like his soul has been exposed to the darkness. Like, I don't know exactly right. what I mean, but it's pretty cool though. Yeah, I guess I always kind of took it as like, almost like a, the vacuum of space where it's just nothingness. So it's always right, kind of okay. cold and dark. Okay. Yeah. So then Spider-Man, so then they disperse and Spider-Man mm-hmm. goes back to his regular life. He's got his photos, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes back and he's now in class at the uh, Empire State University, right? And uh, yeah, we get this. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my another God. Deborah, another Deborah <laughs> Whitman Our- scene. Are you oh. kidding me? <laughs> I know. Poor Deb. The last issue we just read, Deb called Peter Parker to save somebody's life. Uh-huh. Like, he, she she called him to say, hey, listen, the sketchy thing's going down. I think somebody's going to get hurt. Maybe you can go in and, like, you know, tell Spider-Man to go step in and intervene and save somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens. He probably saved... Um, Ned leads life there, right? Yep, yep. Uh, by with and and just, 
of course he's got to come in and ruin that and and like for no for no good reason just like destroy dev Whitman. this poor girl yeah so yeah so we now, see go ahead oh no go ahead go ahead so we see deb uh kind of catch up with peter um and they she starts talking about school and then uh Peter Farker just interrupts her and says, Deborah, you made up the story about me making you cry, which caused that nerd, uh, Neolithic goon to come after me. I don't have, uh, oh, what does he say? I don't have the time for your fantasies or biffs, fisticuffs. Right. And then Deb's, Peter, don't go up. I'm not angry with you. Oh, Peter, it's not Biff I care about. It's you. I know your secret. So I guess we know now. Um, she knows that he that she does for sure know yeah Yeah. because uh last issue we see her follow peter up to the roof and then peter's not there but we see spider-man swinging away right so it's uh definitely confirmed now as we see a close-up of this magazine that she's holding and or sorry right yeah yeah daily bugle sunday magazine and uh it's the cover of spider-man uh-huh so then so then Spider-Man uh, is on his way onto the next thing. So now he's uh, going to talk to, um, who is it? Oh, yeah, Captain G- uh, Gene DeWolf. Mm-hmm. So that so now they're talking about Silvermane, um, talking about, um, you know, kind of like tr- trading information about what's been going on. Um, and then basically he's, uh, so then he, he's back out. He finds out the Kingpin's back in town. And... Uh, he goes out to confront the kingpin, and so now we get a scene. <laughs> I mean, I I love the kingpin, and but I don't like when they make him, not to say powerful, but almost like all knowing and all powerful. It's a little bit annoying, but I can accept it because that's the way they portray him. That's fine. Right. But I really, yeah. But I love this page. Like, look at this um, digital page sixteen, um, like the the five panels at the top of him landing on the building, then crawling over like the kind of air duct or whatever that is, then crawling through. And like we see almost like a like a blueprint, almost like a right. blueprint of the building that he's crawling through. And then he finally makes his way to like the sauna or whatever it is. And the kingpin's in there and he and he and of course of course Kingpin knows he's there because he knows everything. You may come down now, Spider Man. And then they start talking. I mean it's a really cool sequence, hey, eh? what do you think? Mm-hmm. No, it's really great. Um I, I don't know. I don't mind Kingpin being all knowing when it's not like important to the story. Like when sure, sure. Because Kingpin's really not the villain right now. So if Spider Man plot like story wise was trying to sneak up on Kingpin or you know foil his plans, uh-huh. um, it might be kind of annoying because Spider Man would never have a like leg up on him. And there's no reason for Kingpin to know. But in this sure. instance, just to kind of show how powerful he is as like a one-off kind of thing that happens, I don't know. I I kind of liked it where he, okay, uh, kind of showed how smart he is and he is this you know force to be reckoned with. And he's right. kind kind of like setting it up for later. Like okay, yeah, this guy is pretty crazy. Like he 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 knows what he's talking about. He's dangerous. So right. it's gonna definitely uh uh i think payoff later on when the actual confrontation is spider-man versus kingpin um right but yeah this was uh this was really fun so yeah it's a cool I, scene because sorry go ahead 
I also really love on the next page when uh, he's kind of talking about the uh, the the uh, cloak and dagger and what happened to right. them and, and the drugs that are going on and it's kind of has this like sepia tone this few these few right. panels yeah like it's uh, faded I, out on the side yeah it's right cool. and and then there's this uh, the middle panel with Kingpin telling the story and then you see the story like happening in the flashback next to him. Right. It fades from that sepia to uh, like regular coloring. So you can right. tell that he's the one telling the story. It's like just this really cool uh, panel. And, and I love the way that it's colored. Mm-hmm. Mm, and, and, and so, so Spidey's trying to get information on Silvermane and basically Kingpin just hands him an address with, on a piece of paper. Right. Right. And, and Spider-Man's like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be, giving me his address in the hope that I'll be knocking out your competition. And then Kingpin says, what you do with the information is your affair. So once again, it's, you know, Kingpin just playing chess with everybody, right? So he kind of just manipulating things to his advantage. So, you know, then Spider-Man goes to Silvermane's like mansion kind of, and like breaks in through the window. And then um, just as uh, Cloak, oh, Cloak and Dagger are coming at the same time and all his goons are around shooting at them and, Cloak is, you know, of course, capturing them into his cloak, into the darkness. And it's fisticuffs once again, fight scenes, everyone's punching right. everybody. It's Meanwhile, a really great panel, actually. Real quick before we move on, on, on yeah, page sure. 19, uh, digital 19. Okay. It's a really great panel up at the top right where you can kind of see the the, uh, the goons disappear right. into the cape, into that void. It's right. I, I think it really shows off how the power works and how easy it is for him to just kind of lift up his arms and this void opens up out of the cape and these guys are gone yeah and again very ditko-esque art in my opinion it's really Mm -hmm. nice all all these this whole fight scene is great right and silver in silvermane is in bed with these tubes attached to him basically he's on death's door right Mm -hmm. is that the expression death's door yeah doorway yeah death's door i don't know death's door yeah. And so yeah. basically now what it comes down to is, oh, okay. We got to talk about this really cool scene. So basically Cloak and Dagger want to murder Silvermane, but Spider-Man wants to stop them. Now there's a really cool panel on page 21 where Spider-Man jumps yes. onto Cloak. And then the ne- it's the weirdest thing where we actually have a panel on top of the bottom panel where Spider-Man's like, Cloak teleported again. How does he do that? So it's like, it's almost like a little bit meta, like something Grant Morrison would do, where it's almost like the panel is the reality. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's so weird the way they do it, but it's really well done. Yeah, it's it's really great. Like, the, the, the panel is askew and, like, rotated about, right. like, 45 degrees off. And right. it's, like, in between uh, Spider-Man on cloaks back and then right. being teleported to another area so the the panel is um like just as discompo- discombobulated and uh uh like out of focus as spider-man is and confused right, right? it's it's right. yeah it, it's like really it's great not, storytelling again, through the panel it's not as experimental as something like frank quietly would have done later on like something like we three but it's definitely something you don't see every day in a marvel comic in the 1980s right it's really right cool. I, and i i don't even know like if it's that experimental to me i feel like it's just 
a great way to tell a story yeah. through the panel art. You know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's, it's yeah, purposeful. It's not, it's not, yeah. It's not showing off. It's definitely, yeah. it's like, it's like he figured, okay, I got to show this. How am I going to do this? And this is, it's like the storytelling came first, right? Yes. He had to tell the story and this is how he did it. And it's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so then he basically Dagger tries to kill Silvermane with her daggers and Spider-Man jumps in front of them to stop them. And then um, you know, Dagger's like, Spider-Man, I didn't mean to, and then Cloak's like, he brought misfortune upon himself. It's time to deal with Silvermane. And then Silvermane activates what is this? Like a you know, flames of death. He shoots fire and <laughs> right. almost burns uh, Dagger, but Spider-Man kind of like pulls her down, but then Cloak right. Enough, old man. Your time has come. And Dagger's <laughs> like, "You saved my life. If it if that means you owe me, then I'm calling in the chips." <laughs> but then it doesn't matter. Don't become a killer. Don't murder Silvermane. But guess what? It's too late. They murder him, right? Right. We don't. And then Cl- Cloak says, "We have no time to argue. It is time for our duty to be done. Kill him." And then Dagger kills Silvermane. That's it. And then they walk away, and or, or Spider-Man's like, no, Cloak, you forced her to become a murderer. It's all your fault. No, Spider-Man. In the end, Cloak's desire was the same as my own. The end justifies the means. A great evil has passed, and this episode's ended. Farewell. And then as it's kind of creepy, because then as they leave the room, we see Silvermane, all of his like life tubes or whatever, d- dripping blood all Blah. over the, the floor, right? And yeah. Then, and then Spider-Man's like, Cloak thinks it all ends here. He's wrong. Dead wrong. And then it says to be continued next month. Yeah. The, that good, pose, eh? that pose of Spider-Man, like just standing there with his hand on the bedpost, like he's yep. in this extremely like straight, like straight on flat pose. He's standing completely still. His arms are at his side and you could tell how like just shocked and, and sad he is. Right. And like disturbed almost at the, at the sight of what had just happened. Right. It's really great. And that's, a, again, for people, if there's younger people that are looking at this art and they, they think it's like, I guess, unpolished or ugly, they just got to realize it. it's all about the story. And that's why we're yeah. raving about this art. It's so good. Oh, so, yes, another classic gritty issue of Peter Parker, the Spectacular yeah. Spider-Man. I would definitely recommend it. What about you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm yeah, really like loving these stories with Cloak and Dagger. Right. They're right. both really it's, yeah. good. Yeah. Like we're we're in the middle of a classic run by Bill Mantlo and Ed, Hedig- Ed Hannigan. And honestly, I don't hear too many people talk about this run. So it's kind of like a hidden gem, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that wraps up this week's episode of Here Comes the Spider Cast. Every week we we review one month's worth of spider-man comics so next me- week we're going to be doing amazing spider-man uh 232 marvel mm-hmm. team up 121 and spectacular spider-man 70 and you can take it from here josh yeah uh if you guys want to uh keep in touch and contact us you can find us through the uh the comic book syndicate on facebook uh spotify um apple podcast pretty much anywhere that you can listen to podcasts you can find us there um, don't forget to look us up on our YouTube channel as well. And, uh, if you want to contact us through Twitter, you can find us at, at comic syndicate. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. We want to know what you guys think about the episodes that we're putting out. And we also want to know what you guys think about the issues we're reading too. So, uh, please, uh, stay in, in touch and, and let us know what you guys think. We want to keep that conversation going. 
That's right. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. All right. See you then. Bye.